everybody, and welcome to Expectation versus Reality. I'm Nate. And I am Tanner. And on our happy little podcast here, what we do is we go and we find a trailer for a movie that neither of us have seen. We take a look at that trailer. We write an entire synopsis of the movie based on that one trailer. Mm-hmm. And then we present it to each other, just sort of compare notes. And then we go watch the movie, come back, and then we discuss the movie and see how close we got. Yeah. And today we are doing uh, Jordan Peele's second movie, his follow-up to Get Out, which is entitled Us. Yeah, and this was on both of our top ten lists, if you've listened to that yet. it's it, I've been heavily anticipating this ever since I saw the, the, the first trailer, which is the one that I wrote my synopsis on. Yeah, uh, that's the same one that I used. Yeah, just because I don't want to know anything about this movie until I go see it. Yeah, definitely. There's... Um, so the downside of what we do is that there's definitely it's getting to the point with certain movies where I don't want to see the trailer for anything yeah, mm-hmm. because usually for me a trailer is either to do two things is to either build hype mm-hmm. which is what I do whenever I watch like the trailers for like Avengers Endgame yeah or yeah. Star Wars or whatever and the other one that I use is like do I want to see this you know this yeah. is the thing that has potential but it's gotten to the point for me where I look at certain trailers mm-hmm. or certain like posters for movies or know that movie, certain movies exist and I don't need a trailer for it and I think that going into it blind will actually serve the movie especially whenever it comes to horror right this is an example of that um, yeah but at the same time yeah. as soon as the trailer dropped I was like well we're about to do the podcast anyway so yeah we need to we need to just put this on the, on hold for a minute until we go until the movie drops yeah and this, uh, this this definitely i mean this dropped on christmas if yeah. i remember right and mm-hmm. i just sent you a bunch of expletives in the link yeah it was just like you know a lot of bad words and a lot of really loud exclamations and then like watch this right now i mean and this trailer is that good yeah it was an excellent trailer um but to to just draw on how you, what you were talking about you know trying to keep things in the dark a little bit, um, at least in my experience. Good gravy are these trailers good. God, I watched one trailer. The one trailer that you sent me, uh, that's the only one I've seen. I definitely watched the second one. Okay. But that was because I had heard there were a couple biblical references in that one, Ooh. Uh, which, I don't re- which I do not reference in here. Okay, okay. Um, but it just makes everything that much colder. And yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Really, and I don't think it's going to change anything about what I'm expecting from the I movie. That's totally going to make mine miss on a lot of cylinders then. Well, I mean, we're basing it all on the first trailer. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, there's definitely that leeway there. So, Tanner, you saw Get Out naturally mm-hmm. um, because it's a masterful piece of cinema. It is. Um, no, no reservations, no, you know, put this aside crap, none of that. Get Out is a masterpiece. Yeah, and I think that it's one of those movies that I have been hard-pressed to find something wrong with, mm-hmm. and I have legitimately tried. Because, you know, I'm one of those people that like, everything should be viewed with a cynical eye. Yeah. Or a critical eye, rather, not a cynical eye. In such a way that you can then learn from the mistakes of the things that you yeah. look at. And uh, I haven't been able to break it down that much because I don't have my own copy of it. I've seen it two or three times. But it's been, you know, at, like, at your house. It's been at the movie theater. It's been at other people's houses. But I don't have a copy of my own. So I can't really just sit down and be like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but, I mean, as somebody who has a copy of their own... Uh, I can't find a problem with it. Yeah. Um, I remember through our talks of this and our mild, 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 mild research of this that Key, or is it not Key, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Peele, Peele, I'm sorry, has said that this has very little, if nothing, to do with race. And yeah. it's just a pure horror film. And 
I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I definitely like subtext in my movies. Yeah. But if this is definitely a little bit more of a straight laced horror film, that's that's great. I'm definitely down with that as yeah. well. That being said, with everything that we've talked about with Get Out, mm-hmm. there is a certain amount of trepidation where it's like we're hurling all this praise at Get Out. Are we going to hit a bit of a sophomore slump? Which I don't think we are, but I definitely worry about comparing it to yeah. Get Out. I don't want to compare it to Get Out. I want to leave it on its own on its own two legs. Yeah. and leave it there. But that doesn't mean that Get Out doesn't make me super hyped for this particular yeah, movie. Yeah, no. I, I totally agree. And say, I know you worked really hard on this, and I attempted to, but I can't put a dent in this story. Yeah, I've been tossing around what I think this movie's about since that trailer dropped with the idea that we'd be doing it for the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even then, whenever I finally sat down to write it, I rewrote basically everything that I had thought up to that point. Yeah. I kind of started final, from scratch. Yeah, I think the final word count on my synopsis here later, spoiler alert, it was like, 1109 yeah so we might run over on this one yeah um <laughs> so yeah so we'll uh so we were talking about jordan peele writing directing mm-hmm. just bonkers amazing his reboot of twilight zone comes out this month yeah the drop on the super bowl even though i'm not privy to the super bowl what i yeah. heard was like oh my god and yeah if you yeah. haven't seen it it's definitely worth a look uh that and the full trailer for like episodes mm-hmm. i mean the cast on it's absolutely bonkers um as is the cast in this. I took a little bit of a breeze through IMDb on this one. Of course, main character is played by uh, Lupi Tignango. And if I mispronounce that... Indiana. Indiana. Um, <laughs> she is stellar. Yeah. And she has stupid good range, too. Because mm-hmm. uh, the first thing I think either of us ever saw her in was 12 Years a Slave, which mm-hmm. she won the Best Supporting Actress for. Well-deserved. She's incredible in that. Yep. Uh, also, she also was Maz Kanata. Yeah. in mm-hmm. the Star Wars sequels. Mm-hmm. And she's fantastic there doing motion capture and whatever. But it's a completely far cry from her character in that. And this looks like a completely far cry to her character in Black Panther. Yeah. And it just looks like she's building a fantastic resume. Yeah. You know, I mean, like she's just like, hey, look at me doing this. I'm also really good at this. Yeah, flawless so far. On the subject of Black Panther, her husband in the movie is played by Winston Duke, mm-hmm. who you might remember as Umbaku in Black guy. Panther. He's absolutely fantastic. His character in Black Panther was so great. <laughs> uh, he's also done like some TV work, but nothing that I particularly recognize. But yeah, he's also really good. I think he's going to be really good in this as well. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing about that guy. Whenever he puts on his scary face, it is really scary. No kidding. <laughs> um, as far as the kids, I didn't recognize them from anything. I looked at their IMDb's. Nothing that I've seen. Yeah, I can't say that I've seen the kids in anything, but they're kids, you know. Like. Um, the only other actors that we see in the trailer are Elizabeth Moss, who is currently on uh, Handmaid's Tale. Okay, yeah, that's where she looked familiar from. And a number of other things. I don't have the stomach or heart for Handmaid's Tale. My wife watches it. I watched it until I got caught up with it, and then I fell off. It's not a bad series, but I just couldn't keep up with it. I imagine that it's one of those series that once you fall off of it, you don't... Well, you I've can't also really talk yourself back into watching. I've also read the book. Fair enough. So I just, you know, a lot of things. It's just like uh, this really doesn't live up to the to the expectations that I have set for it. Not that it's a bad show. It's just I've already read the book and I've already I'm already satisfied with that fiction. I feel you. And the other actor that is in the movie, the man who seems to be playing uh, Elizabeth Moss's husband, mm-hmm. which is Tim Heidecker. Oh. Okay. Which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is uh, half of the Tim and Eric 
<laughs> team who are the kings of hey. surrealist comedy on hey, Adult Nate, Swim. Nate, it's, it's free real estate. Free real estate. <laughs> For a little bit of background, the, the it's free real estate meme is, was very early informative in my friendship with Tanner. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. That's yeah, it's um, come get your free house. But I mean, as far as uh, Tim Heidecker goes, I mean his work on Tim and Eric mm-hmm. and was it uh, Tom Goes to the Mayor or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Very, very good. And Eric Wareheim has been doing some excellent stuff. He was on, uh, oh, what was that show that Aziz Ansari did on oh, Netflix shoot. that was winning a bunch of awards that I watched. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Made super he's, uncomfortable. Yeah, he's like, he's like a terrible person with, with dating and all that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the name uh, of it, though, because it's been on my list forever. Master of None, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, the cast looks good. There's a bunch of other people on here. But, okay, so on IMDb, at least... Elizabeth Moss has a character name. Lupitanyango has, has a character name. Uh, Winston Duke has a character name. Tim Heidecker has a character name. A bunch of other people have character names. But there's a bunch of people that I'm seeing on here that do not. You think they left that out on purpose? Oh, definitely. Uh, one of them being Anna Diop, Anna Diop, who is apparently currently on the Teen Titans series on the DC streaming. She okay. plays Starfire. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, um... As well as... You know, I've heard a lot of people have a problem with her being Starfire. Yeah, I mean, if you're good, like, that's the thing that I'm kind of hitting on that. I don't really care. Like, she's a good actress. What's the deal? Yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing with, like, Heimdall and Thor. Okay, yeah. Nobody cared about Heimdall being black in Thor after they saw Thor. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, this guy's fine. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. It's just, I don't know. I feel like it's the same way. Different Um, podcast, different subject. The other actor that I'm seeing on here that's becoming a pretty big name uh is uh Hiaya Abdul-Mateen the second I yeah I don't I hope I did not butcher that name who was in the get down which apparently was very good on Netflix I've seen three episodes uh he's also on the Handmaid's <laughs> Tale and he played Black Manta in Aquaman oh him yeah he's like also him. apparently in it uh he's yeah. not in the trailer that we're looking at um so a little bit of things to kind of get us a little bit hyped about this uh a little bit more than we are is I took a quick look through the trivia Mm -hmm. on imdb and the first one is the one that i would like to kind of touch on before we get started on our synopsis which means this episode is going to be a little bit long so jordan peele gave the cast 10 horror films to watch so they would have a shared language when filming dead again the shining the babadook it follows a tale of two sisters the birds funny games uh the 2007 version Mm. not the Mm -hmm. original german version uh, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. That's some good stuff. All these movies are sl- like either major slow burns, brutal, Gee. or massive, like, head messy with nonsense. Uh, I just, that is an excellent list of films. With the exception of It Follows, because It Follows is garbage. Yeah, if you want It Follows, you need to go read Black Hole. I think I've said that on this podcast before. I think you might have. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't like It Follows. I understand people do. There is one scene in that entire movie that I really, really liked, and the rest of it was a wasted concept. (laughs) So, but I mean, that that list is... That's a killer list. And that was just like, all right, we need to all be on the same page about the movie I want to make, so here, go watch these movies. Um, Question, have you seen Funny Games? You know, I think I have, but I don't want to say that I have and haven't. That's the, uh, the well, at least the, the American remake is the one with uh, Tim Roth. 
uh, oh, crud. I'm going to say her name wrong, so I need to make sure that I look it up real quick. Uh, yeah, it's the one with Tim Roth and Naomi Watts. Okay. Where they're in, like, a beach house and, or, like, a lake house, and uh, these guys show up, played by uh, one of them is Michael Pitt, who is fantastic. And they're, they basically just show up and torture and murder this family is the entire movie. And it is bleak, and it is nihilistic as all get out. I will never, I don't, well, I might watch it again because it's just masterful film, filmmaking. Okay. Uh, rather, it is just a masterful filmmaking, good gravy. If this is on Netflix, I'm watching this when I get home because I have not seen this. Uh, do not blame me for the fact that you watched this movie. Okay. Because it will make you feel like an empty shell afterwards. It is one of the most nihilistic films I've ever seen, and it's rough. I mean, I'm okay with that. But it's so good. <laughs> it is so good. So to that, I would like to go ahead and read the breakdown of the trailer that we used. Yes. And then we'll get started on our predictions, and then we'll, uh, we'll call it. The trailer opens on a family of four driving down a country road. They're listening to I Got Five On It by Loonies. The son asks what the song's about, and the sister says drugs. The father <laughs> insists that this is not the case, and the mother teaches the son how to appropriately listen to the music. Yeah. Right? Uh, so the music alters into a haunting orchestral version of I Got Five on it that has no business being as good as it is. <laughs> yes, it does. It was good. <laughs> uh, cut to the family on the beach uh, with another family. Uh, the other mother comments about how big the children have gotten, and the son of the first family wanders off towards the wharf. The father mentions that the... Or rather, the other father mentions that the first father got a boat and were shown the time whenever he presented this new boat to the family. Mm-hmm. The mother grows concerned about the son as we see him approach a strange man with bleeding fingers on the beach. The mother stops him before he can approach and is upset that he left her line of sight. The mother puts him to bed that night and promises that she will protect him as long as he stays near her. We see footage of an approaching storm and the son says that there are people in the driveway. The father assumes that it is the neighbors but goes out to confront them. Uh, they don't respond, and then he returns with a bat saying, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Mm-hmm. I love his delivery of this, by the way. Yeah. Totally uh, suburban dad. Yeah, it's the, like, <laughs> it's, the, it's the sound of somebody that's trying to be tough that isn't actually tough. Yeah, that might have been tough a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have fast cuts of the family being harassed and rounded up by the figures who we see are in red, mm-hmm. like red jumpsuits. Uh, So the family is taken to the living room, and the captors are revealed to be warped versions of the family. The father asks, who are you people? And the son responds, it's us. Uh, We're shown what appears to be a younger version of the daughter, maybe. I don't know, it's a younger uh, black girl. Yeah, I can't can't really tell. It looks like the the younger version of the girl. Maybe. But we don't see enough of it to really tell. Um, And then... uh, that same girl was strangled by her own by her doppelganger. Yeah, uh, we see more fast cuts of the family being harassed by their doppelgangers. Under a voiceover from the mother, they look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to keep, or rather, we need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us or we kill them. Mm-hmm. The footage ends with the mother entering a sort of hallway uh, full of rabbits and cut to the doppelganger mother making a weird face and saying, "Be careful." She laughs, more fast cuts, and then the title. Yeah, it's, this, this trailer is... Remarkably effective. It's a great trailer. 
And the reason I think that it's great is because it gives you just enough for, to make you want to go see it, but at the same time, it doesn't tell you anything. I think it's one of those, movies, those trailers for me looking at it that seems to give everything away. You just have to dig. Well, not only that, but, but I think it gives everything away for a movie that it's not. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen in this movie because blank, no, you blank, don't. blank, 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 blank. And it's like, no, you don't. Because yeah, it's like the vultures give away in that Spider-Man, that oh, snap moment. Yeah, where you, you yelled oh, snap <laughs> in the middle of the theater. Yeah, I actually got a pretty good laugh out of that. It was fun. <laughs> but I definitely think there are little bits and pieces. Um, I'll talk to you about it after we get done recording, but there's a couple of things in the official synopsis, yeah, uh, which I did not look at, which I don't think you did either. No, I don't look at the synopsis or anything on IMDb before I write these things. Yeah, there's a little bit of a clue there um, about something, um, which I did not use, yeah. but I actually kind of clued into, so I'm kind of curious if well, uh, we I know that I've watched this trailer thing. a handful of times. I don't have an exact number about how many times I've watched it, but I have been like seeing things that I didn't see before. Simply, do- like, definitely double digits for both of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Tanner, what is your version of us, and what does it look like before we get to my novel? This was hard. This was really hard. This is going to be really choppy. The film opens up with the family traveling to a vacation spot on the West Coast. It's not far from where they live, but far enough for everybody to get bored on the drive there. The family arrives and meets some friends of theirs on the beach before heading to the house for the night, have their day out on the beach, and the two wives of the families that are there are uh, talking about the kids and families and houses, jobs, etc., catching up, blah, 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 having the normal vacation stuff. And when the family, I'm not giving them names, Oh, and they are the mother, the father, the son, and the daughter in yeah. my script. So. so the mother of the uh, family that they've come to visit is uh, confessing that she knows that her, that her husband has bought a boat without them knowing. And that kind of confuses the mother for a minute. Like, he bought a boat? Why did he buy a boat? So our main character, the mother, is perturbed by this, but not enough to stop her noticing that her son has run away from the group. She's starting to panic. And everyone begins to search for him frantically. Meanwhile, we follow the boy down the beach, who still has that mask that he was wearing on top of his head in the, uh, in the, in the car, because, you know, kids doing kid stuff. He's walking down the beach, and he finds a person with blood streaming down their arms, just like in the trailer. And he's trying to figure out who it is, because they look familiar from behind. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know why. And just as he's about ready to reach out and touch him, he hears his mom calling from, from behind him. And he turns around to see her, and when he turns around to look back at the other guy, he's gone. The mother is shocked and relieved at the same time that they have found him so close to where they were. And she exclaims that she was worried to death about him and that she was, she'd protect him as long as he stays close to her. Everyone makes their way to a local ski boating lake spot not, that's not on the ocean to marvel at Dad's new boat that is really just a puddle jumper that just got put in the water for the first time in years, I guess. And, and more fun is had while the, other fan, while the other father is staring from the woods at the new boat, furious for an unknown reason. Just kind of know, like, just like sneaking out and watching them do their thing. Okay. And, uh, but after they've had their fun day on the lake, the families retire for the night. They say their goodbyes. The, other, the, the family that they came to visit goes off to their house, 
and then they go off to their vacation house and they call it a night and uh, just as a storm approaches from outside and right as they're about ready to turn in the power gets cut off you know probably from the storm and the son notices that somebody's standing out in their driveway and uh, father goes outside to ask them what's wrong at first and realizing that he doesn't get a response decides to intimidate them to to leave Mm -hmm. and they don't his his intimidation doesn't work so the mother can see this from even inside like there's something going on here she says you know you guys need to be ready to leave go get your shoes find somewhere to go and they all go to a different window or a different door of the house and they try and get out and they can't because each one of them is uh, found by the windows or the doors of the person that looks like them that keeps okay. them in the house. So the boy tries to get out a window and another small thing with a mask that's not the mask he's wearing finds him at the window. Daughter, mother, etc. At this point, the father is dragged into the house by the other father. Supposedly, or possibly, you know, beaten with this bat that he had out there. Mm-hmm. They're all sat in the living room by the other family. When our family realizes, specifically the boy, that the people sitting in front of them is them just subtly different each one of them now this is where i started to get because this is after the trailer of course where i had to start ad libbing my own thing here this is where i started to get confused so the mother starts to talk about how things have changed in their part of the world and they found a way back to the better times see where i'm going Ooh. so they found a way to kind of go through and get back into these better times so they could switch places with them so they could possibly change how things are going to happen. Oh, so you're doing time travel. Yeah. Ooh, okay. While all of this is happening, the daughter figures out certain ways to get around this because if they're them, maybe she can outsmart them in a a way. And she tries to think of two different ways to get around this, and she goes with the one that she doesn't want to do. So she comes up with a safe way in a way that's kind of not, and she goes up with the one that she thinks she wouldn't want to do and does it that way. She's trying to find a way out of the house. Yeah. So she can get out and try and find how these people got there and find a way to stop it. So she's like, oh, okay, so if I do this, this would definitely work. But this way would also work, but it would mean that I would be putting myself and everybody else in danger. So I don't want to do that one. So let's do that one. Okay, so she's she's doing the things that she knows that she wouldn't? Yes. Okay, I got you. She makes out of the house, but... As she does, she gets caught like she wanted to be and gets dragged into this bridge dimension that's in between these two worlds or timelines, whatever. Okay. And that gets them... She plays right into where she wanted to be so she could figure out what to do to get out. While they're doing that, the mother and the son are still in the house and they find out that these people, while they're in their timeline, can't die because they're not supposed to be there. And then um, you're going way higher concept than I did. So. Yeah, yeah. This is why. This is why it was. I was so irked by this. Whenever I got over here today, while the daughter is in this bridge dimension thing, she gets lost, and she starts to see all the other timelines—the ones that are really, really, really good, and the ones that are really, really, really bad, even worse than the ones that these people came from. The people okay. that are hunting them. She does eventually find a way out. She ends up as the other her and tries to stop it. So she kind of like switches consciousnesses here. Like okay. she's all of a sudden, 
seeing herself from the other from the other angle. And now she's trying to be like, no, you don't need to do this. I need to do this. Okay. So they're kind of like battling back and forth kind of thing. During her trying to stop all this weirdness, she realizes that she is the cause of this and turns on the other family. So the girl in the red suit turns on the other red suits because she's the only person that can harm them. Okay. And doing this causes her to fade back into the bridge dimension where the mother is like frantically trying to search for her because she doesn't want to go back to where she came from. So, question, uh, regarding the bridge dimension thing, mm-hmm. is the bridge dimension sort of, uh, is it abstracted as that hallway that we see yeah. in the trailer? I'm thinking that it's either, okay. it's either an entrance like, like a door in the woods or a door to an abandoned building or something like that to where they can just go in and out. And it's kind of like a metaphor for them to, you know, a physical place for them to go into this metaphorical place in between these two timelines. Okay, yeah. If that makes sense. I'm following, yeah. Okay. That's, this is where I'm kind of getting hung up because I've tried and tried and tried and tried to think of how this is going to end, but I can't. I've spent a long time on this, and I can't. So unfortunately, that's where mine ends. That's just, I got lost in the details and everything, and I know it's not a lot, but it's complicated. No, I really I, I dig it. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, mine's so full of, like, details and stuff like that, but yours went really high concept, and you have to have, like, a map to figure out. Yeah. Like, no. I went totally, like, community and back to the future and all this other crap in this because that's the only thing that made sense in my mind. No. Yeah, right on. Uh, so any other, like, uh, passing notes before we move on? I think the rabbits have something to do with it, but I don't know how. Okay, fair enough. And I don't really think, I can't really think of anything else that uh, really does anything. And the only reason I'm saying this, the two timeline things, is because they continuously do like the folded paper people with the scissors and they like cut them, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's where all that came from, was like they're the same person, but they're in a different space. And if they separate it, they can switch spots. That's a really interesting way to look at that. I mean, that's just the way that, yeah. No, yeah, I'm down with it. The, uh, I find it really interesting because one of the big things for this podcast that I was really excited about was what perspectives that we bring differently. And I feel like for a lot of these movies that we've done so far, we've been on a similar wavelength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one, we definitely aren't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, that's kind of exciting. I'm going to go ahead and do mine then if we are... Uh, yeah, I'm good. good. Go ahead. So... We open on a family of four driving to a vacation. The daughter is complaining that they don't have their phones with them because she's bored on the ride and wishes she could listen to her music. Uh, the parents explain that it's important to disconnect and have time away with their, from their lives in tech. Look at all these people um, their lives. In an attempt to alleviate the problem, <laughs> the father turns on the radio and after a few disastrous attempts to find uh, decent music, find I Got Five on It by Loonies. Uh, so the son doesn't much care for the song until the mother teaches him to find a groove. Uh, so when they arrive at the lakeside town, it feels oddly barren with only a few people on the streets. Initially, they appear to be uh, staring at the car and its inhabitants, but a second look shows that they aren't. The family pulls into the drive of their cabin and they explore, assigning rooms and enjoying each other's company. But someone's watching them from outside. Yeah. In the morning, the family goes and meets their friends at the beach. The son sees someone strange on the beach, uh, just sort of standing there with his hands dripping blood. The son approaches, but is stopped by his mother. The strange person turns and says something creepy and cryptic before leaving. The father's angry, but the stranger is gone before he gets close enough to confront him. Uh, They attempt to have a restful remainder of the day, and they head back to their cabin and have dinner. When they get home, the mother promises to protect her son, and the children are sent to bed. The mother finds the daughter in her room uh, on her phone and takes it annoyed that she smuggled the device in. The mother and father begin to enjoy their alone time together with whenever the kids interrupt. There are people in red suits at the end of their drive. 
The father goes out to confront them with a baseball bat, but they're attacked. The group of attackers are revealed to be doppelgangers of the family, each of them bizarre, displaying sort of bizarre behaviors mm-hmm. or whatever. The father is knocked out uh, by the stoic, silent version of himself. The uh, rest of the family try to use the phone, but it has no signal. The mother is held at scissor point by a manic version of herself. The son is wrestled to the ground by a feral version of himself that seems to climb walls. I really love that kid. Uh, the daughter is led terrified by a version of herself that can seem to like climb trees with her bare hands. Yeah. But just stares blankly at her whenever she's... The kids in this movie weird. in the red suits are so good. Unbelievably creepy. God, they're so good. So then they are all gathered in the living room. Mm-hmm. And all of the members of this group have these weird golden shears. Okay. The family begs for information, but they are provided nothing. Each of the doppelgangers watches them seemingly like, 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 uh, like hungrily, like a predator would watch a per- like its yeah. prey. Mm-hmm. The doppelgangers are threatening and vague. Uh, there's a loud noise outside, which provides enough of a distraction for the family to run, but they're separated. The mother runs into the woods, and the rest of the family gets into the car and tries to drive away. The mother is stalked through the woods, but manages to make it to the cabin of their, the other family they're friends with. Uh-huh. Uh, she enters and finds all of them dead with their own doppelgangers, all in red suits. Yeah. The only living doppelganger is the one of the other mother. She tells the mother they are all stuck and will end up like the rest before shoving a pair of scissors into her own ear and falling into a heap. Jeez. The rest of the family is attempting to drive away, but are forced off the road rather close to town by the doppelganger of the daughter. The, doppel- the uh, daughter of the doppelganger is in a mangled heap on the ground after the wreck. They run away uh, to the marina and are cornered by the son and the father while trying to escape from, uh, through the boat. The father and his doppelganger have a scuffle, and he seems to kill him with a flare. Sadly, the boat is damaged in the fight. At the same time, the son and his doppelganger meet and both take off the masks they've been wearing. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Uh, This reveals that the doppelganger's son is horrifically burned. The father takes the boy away from the doppelganger and throws the doppelganger's son into the water. They go into town but can't find anyone and attempt to hide. So the mother wanders the other house and finds a door open that has stairs going downward. This is odd because none of these houses should have basements. That is odd. She follows it down and finds a facility that looks like a 1980s school. She begins to have flashes of memories of being there when she was younger as she wanders through the facility. She recalls being a young girl in the town and going to school in this facility. She also remembered a panic in the facility and being stalked by herself through the halls. Ooh, I like this idea, actually. She opens a door, releasing a number of rabbits, all in pairs, and finds a lab where a number of them are dead in cages. She remembers the room when she was younger, and then she hears footsteps coming from behind her. Mm Mm-hmm. So my version of it, the little girl in the trailer with the, the hair. With the braids, yeah. Is the younger version of the mother. Oh, that's a good idea. So day breaks and the rest of the family attempts to get help, but they find that still there's nobody else in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find some people dead, but they don't find anybody that's like, it's like everybody just vanished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're chased through the city and the son is taken by the doppelganger father and son. Uh, they attempt to rescue them, but the father and daughter are killed in the scuffle. The father mm-hmm. is killed by scissors to the throat, okay. and the daughter is thrown and impaled on a uh, like like a tree branch. Okay, basically. See the father dying. The double in my version was that the father died as soon as he beat the other one to death, and then as soon as he br- dragged him in and he died in the in the living room, the other one just dis- disappeared because he didn't exist anymore. 
Right on. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the clear clear that plot hole up in mine. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of plot holes in mine also. <laughs> the mother is chased in the facility to a classroom by her doppelganger, and she reveals why they look the same. The city, the facility, and the people in it are all part of a cloning experiment that functions automatically. No one in the city can remember what the goal was, but the facility continually makes new people, and they grow quickly to the ages they were when they were cloned. Then the family is deployed in a car with implanted memories, and they and the other cloned families arrive at the town. The red suits are worn by the failed clones destined to the incinerator, but the Doppel families escaped and killed all the versions they came across. (laughs) I like this, actually. (laughs) So the mother rejects this and murders her doppelganger with the scissors. She gets back up to the surface and attempts to find the rest of her family, but finds only the corpses of her husband and daughter while her son is tied up in a car. She goes to rescue him, but it explodes with the fire being started by the doppelganger's son. So what you might notice at this point is that um, all of the behaviors of the doppelgangers Mm -hmm. foreshadowed the deaths of... Okay, okay. So the son was burned. Her son died in an explosion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The daughter climbed up a tree, died up a tree, Mm -hmm. and the father doppelganger is quiet and stoic, and so he got stabbed in the throat. Okay. She chases him to the wharf, but finds all four of the doppelgangers holding hands on the beach. Uh, She goes to them and murders all of them while they're silent or laughing. She stands on the beach, sobbing and screaming, covered in blood, as she and her family pull up into the silent town. Mm. Mm. And then that's the end. I actually actually like that one. Yeah, because I try to limit myself to about 700 words, and I just kind of, like, realized that I was at like the beginning of the third act yeah. and it was at 900 <laughs> words and I was like I need to I need to finish this. I feel like given a couple weeks and some really good coffee and some really good alcohol I could turn this into a really good story. Well, you know, workshop it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that for me, I mean, the there's definitely parts of this that are uh, me sort of testing different narrative ideas and yeah. mm-hmm. what I liked for stuff that I write independently of this. So I think that you doing that uh, would be a good way to use what you've written beyond yeah, just yeah. the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, any closing thoughts? Man, I'm just excited to see this. Like, there's, I go watch a lot of movies. It's one of my biggest hobbies, and I rarely get this excited for a film. And I mean that. It's just, it's so different, and I can't think of anything. I mean, I really had to sit down and just toil over my idea to figure out how it was going to work. I'm excited to see it. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, it's... Was this my number one movie? I think it was. I think it was. I would... You know what? I think I still have my notes. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm going to look at that, because I think think this was my number one movie I was most excited for this year. Brightburn is my number one. Yeah. Hands down. But, yeah, Us was definitely up there for me, too. So if you want to find us on social media, you can find the podcast at, at EVRPod. Mm-hmm. You can find me on everything at Nate Corin. Tanner, where can we find you? I'm at Bickle Fox on Twitter and Instagram. One of those has a big B and the other one has a little. And there is a movie joke in there if you want to take a shot at it. Yeah, the first one to DM Tanner with what, his re- what he's referencing <laughs> can pick an episode. It's not hard. It's <laughs> uh, a little uh, thing we do every time. Uh, go ahead Go out, find somebody that made something that you love that isn't like the person that starred in the movie or directed it, and thank them for the stuff that they do, because there's a lot of people that do a lot of things to make a movie happen that aren't, you know, Lupita Nyong'o and Jordan Peele. Yeah. 
there's there's a lot of people involved in every movie you watch and you know some people might go days months weeks or years without hearing about you know hey i really liked your work it might be just as something as little as that movie was great i love the sound in it or yeah, that, and i bet they have a social media presence i bet they have a twitter yeah just shoot them a, shoot them an at yeah, go, go see movies, go enjoy the things that you love, and we will uh, catch you once we've seen us. Yeah. <laughs>